Miracy. Hey, I'm Kevin Rogers, and you're listening to Making It. I run a business called Copy Chief, and we help creative writers make a lot of money writing sales copy. I was born in a town called Lowell, Massachusetts, which turns out to be, uh, interestingly, the hometown of some very famous artist types. Jack Kerouac, the writer, is from Lowell. Famously, writes about it all the time. And Ed McMahon is from Lowell, <laughs> from Star Search fame and Johnny Carson's sidekick for years. And um, so when I was growing up, my parents were both very young when they started the family. My father... You know, I think I can say this now. I think that the grandfather clauses are in. They started a family to avoid him going to Vietnam. He was, you know, 1A, he was going. There was nothing he was going to do about that except have a family. And so very boldly at 16, they decided to get pregnant, which is, you know, insane because I now have kids older than that. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's alarming to think, but they did it and... They made it work for a good long while. So then the second phase of my childhood was when we just sort of abruptly up and moved to Florida when I was nine. And, you know, the immediate thought of that was, oh my God, lucky. I remember all my friends calling me a lucky duck. <laughs> you lucky duck, you're moving to Florida. You know, it's paradise there. But it wasn't for me. We came and it just felt, you know, the excitement of it being in a beach being in a body of water that was warm, <laughs> you know, the novelty of that wore off quickly. And we just lived in this apartment complex and I was a stranger. I didn't know anybody and I was kind of bullied and found it difficult to make friends. And I just felt really disconnected from Florida and did not enjoy myself. In hindsight, that was a big part of my maturity, you know, having to be responsible for things and having to adjust too, right, to circumstances having passions, you know, really looking up to my dad and just loving that environment. I still, to this day, when I walk into a auto garage, that smell brings me right back to my childhood. That very specific smell of grease and, and stuff and, and metal and, you know, I love that smell. I was really interested at this time in doing anything on air. I, I wanted to maybe be a DJ or... I always thought if you could be like a voiceover artist or somehow use your voice to make a living, that's got to be the greatest gig imaginable. Imagine like you get to be famous and never get recognized. <laughs> it was like a dream come true. And so the friend had a radio show and he hired me to do the, do the voiceover on his on hold system at his business. You know, these little things that, and now I had to go into his office to deliver the, the, the CD and he overpaid me a bunch of money to do that. And I was like, all right, you got my attention. <laughs> and, and he made a proposition to me, an offer I couldn't refuse. He said, all right, well, I'm going to pay you 300 a week to come in here and just sit next to me in my office and observe. Just see what we do. Just learn it, understand it. And he said, I know you like to write. You can rewrite the website. But I just want you to just give me a month and see if it's interesting to you. All right. So I did it. And I sat. And I'm telling you, man, for those... 30 days. It was so uncomfortable. Like, you know, it's just like chaotic and everybody was weird and scary. But I did become pretty fascinated with the business. And so I really was studying 
And this was like sitting next to Tony Soprano all day, basically. Like, how does he operate? And he would tell me, listen to what I'm going to do to this guy when he comes in. He wants this and listen how I flip it. He would use like build, burn, build tactics and explain those things to me. And it was really fascinating. He was a really smart guy. So anyway, three months later, after doing this, he came in and he said, in sort of his manipulative way, he's like, listen, I saw the doctor yesterday. And this doctor told me, if I don't take a break, I'm going to have a heart attack and die. <laughs> and he said, I'm driving to Seattle starting tomorrow, and you're now in charge of the business. And he threw me his key ring. I remember like in slow motion, this key ring just coming across the room at me. And I caught it. And he said, oh, by the way, now you make $800 a week. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I figured it out and it was scary and exciting, but man, I'm telling you, like I really learned how to manage people. I think there's a phase when you start a business and really embrace being a business owner where I call it the, I could still turn back phase because, you know, for the first three or four years of Copy Chief, it was still it was so overwhelming to run it and I really felt, ah, you know, I could just go back to having clients. It was easier. But slowly you become more capable. And I feel like just recently I've really made it to where I have a business that is very substantial, very real. We've installed systems that we believe in and follow. We run very efficiently. My team is amazing. We've been through the pain of hiring and firing and putting the right people in the right seats. and we now finally get to focus on scaling and growing everything else we kind of have in place. And so that feels like made it to me. I think, you know, you'll always want more. I guess officially I'll feel like I've made it when security is full, you know, and I feel like my family is set up well beyond me. To me, it will really be success. Now I'll tell you, look, it's a challenge. I get how hard it is to get out of your own head. I'm doing it again, I, I'm sorry to admit, with my next book. <laughs> because you start, then you go, oh, okay, well, I know I can put out a good lead magnet type book, but I want to write a book book. I want to write the book. But at the end of the day, imagine you spend five years, even a year, two years, writing the book, and nobody reads it because the title's wrong. Or you, God forbid, get ill and don't get a chance to finish it. That, that's years of uh, impact you could have been making with the simplest form of getting your lessons in front of people. People just want the information. And so, yeah, get it out and just see what happens. That's what I did with the 60-second sales hook. I just was like, if Dean hadn't dared me to do it and given me a short timeline, that book probably never would have come out. And I have no idea how different my life would be. But one thing led to another because I just treated it like an experiment. So just treat everything like an experiment. We all get it in our heads that everybody's watching. You know, when people are building a website, they're always like super concerned. Hey, just make sure it doesn't go live before it's done. It could be live the whole time you're building it. Nobody would know. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's like, yes, people care about the quality of your content once they're paying attention. But you have to work to get attention. So don't not do something because you're thinking that everybody's watching your every move. They're just not. So you have the freedom. Give yourself permission to experiment and see what happens. It's hard for us because we care a lot. 
We care about delivering quality. We care about writing good stuff to good people to help them for good products. And that same thing that makes us good and reliable and people who follow the pro code also can sabotage our careers because it also makes us a little needy sometimes for positive reinforcement. And it causes us sometimes to bend over backwards when we should hold firm on what was in the agreement. And frankly, you know, people who are instinctively entrepreneurial don't have those same set of issues very often. They, they just have an instinct for getting the best deal. And they have an instinct for if you don't ask, you don't get. And so they'll, doesn't feel pushy for them to ask for more, right? And so we're very much at odds sometimes psychologically with our clients. But again, when you get to the higher levels, both parties are aware of that and they can maneuver around those things and basically let everything be bred of mutual respect. And again, if you don't push yourself and you don't, you know, unfortunately it is about the money, like in the beginning, you can do the greatest work and be proud of your work. But even if, you know, getting middle range money is enough for you, you're still robbing yourself of having a better experience with your clients. And you're also robbing those clients of getting great work because there's other people who are happy to charge more than they're worth, right? And again, you know, if your own well-being is not enough for you to charge, think about the clients and their audiences and the people who need their products you could be helping if you were respecting yourself and your time and your skill more. This is Kevin Rogers, and you've been listening to Making It. You can find me at copychief.com. Awesome. Making It is part of the Miracy FM network, which also includes Course Lab and Just Between Coaches. This episode of Making It was assembled by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb produced the episode. Danny Bermant is our associate producer, and Danny Innie is our executive producer. So you don't miss the great episodes that are coming up on Making It. Go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.